Be ready for everything and anything. Every good player has the ability to slow the game down. It doesn't matter what just happened, it's what you're gonna do next. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast for coaches looking to improve their skills and knowledge both on and off the field. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, this podcast is for you. We'll be exploring a variety of topics that are relevant and important to baseball and softball coaches, but this advice can be used for all sports and skill levels. Join us as we dive into the world of coaching and learn from some of the best in the business. Whether you're looking to improve your team's performance or just want to make a positive impact on your players, we've got you covered. Let's go and let's play ball. Welcome to the Get Zoned In podcast, where we bring you the latest insights and stories from the world of sports. I'm Duke Baxter with Steve Nickerak inside Zone Sports Academy, and we have another awesome episode for you today. We've been traveling all over the country learning, meeting coaches, and it's always great meeting like-minded coaches. A reminder, we will be heading to the ABCA January 4th, 5th, and 6th in Dallas, Texas. Woo! It's going to be awesome. That's always an awesome trip. 7,000 baseball coaches at all levels. We also locked in our coaches clinic for March 2nd from 10 to 12 here at Zone. We're only taking the first 108 coaches. Don't be blocked out. Last year we sold out quick, so come on out. So, Coach Steve, who do we have here on the podcast today? Yeah, guys, welcome back. Very special guest with us today. Julia Blar, the director of softball here at Zone Sports Academy. Julia, also known as JB. Got her degree in exercise science from the University of Dayton in 2020 and her master's degree in integrated marketing communications from Marist College in 2021. She has experience coaching softball teams from 12U through 18U and was also an assistant coach at St. Elizabeth University. She was a two-year captain at the University of Dayton and has experience playing all over the field, which only helps her ability to coach players in all positions. She's been on our staff here for two years and has already become one of the staples here at Zone. She's done a tremendous job growing our classes, taking the lead in several of the high school training programs, and is always looking to develop as a coach. She just recently traveled to Louisville, Kentucky to attend the NFCA softball convention. We're excited to dive deeper into Julia's passion for coaching, what she learned at the convention, and what her future plans are for softball here at Zone. So JB, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be on the podcast. You know, always love to listen to the latest episodes, so I'm happy to finally be on myself. So, JB, so g- going down to the uh, the conference, you know, what were you looking forward to the most? Like, what, what most, what were you most excited about when you went down there? You know, I remember you know, every year, my four years at Dayton, my coach would go to this convention and she would talk about how great it was, you know, learn from the best minds in the game, connect with other coaches, whether it was in our conference, outside of our conference, and just she raved about it. So now that we are in a position where we're building, you know, on the softball program here, I thought it was really important for us to go down ourselves. So I was really excited to kind of see what all the hype was about um, when I was in school and everything like that. So I was really excited to just listen to a lot of the best minds in the game, you know, learn how they kind of go about teaching their players, how they got to the standard that they're at while also just building on those connections in the softball world. That's awesome. So, so what was your biggest exciting moment or your aha moment? Like, wow, this, is, this really made it worth it. What was that one thing that was just that really stands out? I think the biggest thing that stood out was just being able to talk to some college coaches about kids that I give lessons to. Um, I've never really had that kind of platform until this year. I'm working with a lot of 2025s. And it's a big year for them. You know, September 1st opened up that recruiting for them. So just being able to kind of talk with them about my kids, but also realize, you know, 
you see these coaches on such a platform when their teams are playing and everything like that, and they almost seem like superstars. But then when you're at a convention like that, like everybody's just a coach. Like everyone's just on the same level almost, and everybody wants to learn from each other, build connections with each other. So I, that was a really big thing for me that I was super happy to have happened during that time there and just makes me excited for the next couple of months and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times conventions can be overwhelming. There's a lot of speakers, um, vendors, demonstrations. What advice would you give to somebody going to, to their first softball coaches, coaches convention? I would say almost print out, you know, the schedule and the exhibit hall, kind of really narrow down the things you definitely don't want to miss. Um, circle the vendors you definitely want to go to talk with. And then if, you, if you're on the fence about something, See if it's getting recorded, because I know at the NFCA convention, they record some of the seminars that they have. So if you are trying to decide between two things, one's getting recorded, one's not, I would suggest going to the one that's not, just because you know you'll always have that video of the other one. So that way it's not like, oh, I wish I was in the other one, or I wish I went to the other one. Now you'll always have the information from both. And then in terms of the exhibit hall, I don't know if there's a good way to necessarily go about that, just because there are so many vendors um, but I thought it was super cool to just be able to go up and down the rows, see what, what kind of stuff's out there in terms of technology, gear, and then honestly just meeting those people and building those connections I think is almost just as important as going to those seminars where you're learning because they're supplying us, they're the new technology, what we're going to use with our kids. So the exhibit hall can definitely be overwhelming, but I would just say, you know, you have three days there, try to get a third of it each day kind of thing, and don't rush yourself through it so you don't miss anything. Especially when you're with Duke. Yeah. For any of you guys that are yeah. ever at a coach's convention and Duke's there, he wants to see every single vendor <laughs> every single day, and he's like a bullet out of a gun when we walk into those exhibit halls. Yeah, so. and he has to go a certain direction, too. He can't go <laughs> right. You always go straight up, straight down the aisle. You make a right and you walk straight down. You try not to get deterred from anything. <laughs> Can you tell us a little about the mentorship program that they have? They talk so highly about that. Of where actually a mentor actually comes to your table and talks to you. I know that uh, you, you, when you were talking to us, you said that was pretty awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that was a it was a really cool experience. What they usually do is they'll take more so veteran coaches who have gone to these conventions year after year after year, and they'll assign you know one or two, sometimes even three if you're lucky to a table of some people who maybe it's their first, second, or even just third year doing it. And you're kind of sitting down with them talking about different subjects, whether it's the culture or how to have difficult conversations or just anything that kind of isn't necessarily drills and skills and mechanics. It's more so the other side of it, of like how to build a successful program, how to connect with other coaches, how to kind of further your career, further softball in that way. So I thought that was a really cool take on it. And it was nice because it was so intimate. You were just at a table with, I would say, probably eight people, six of whom are in the same position you are or a very similar position experience-wise. And then you have, you know, I got to sit with two coaches who they're retired now, but they started the NFCA. They were part of the building that, that association. So just hearing their perspective on things and how the game has just developed so much and what's important now and how to build a good culture now. Um, I thought that was a really awesome experience and something I'll definitely be able to take with me throughout this next couple of years and then hopefully, you know, just get to learn even more during the next couple conventions. That's awesome. That was going to be my one question was, what did you take away that you would like to, like to implement here? I think, you know, we're starting travel teams in the fall. I'm really, I'm really excited for that because it gives us an opportunity to grow. So I think one thing that the convention taught me was what's going to make us successful isn't the skills, 
it's, you know, it's not necessarily us being the best team right out of the gate. It's about building a good culture here, something that sets us apart from all the teams that are definitely in our area and trying to just show that we're, we're more of a family, more tight knit. And we have a, just a different mindset about what it means to be successful. It's not just the X's and O's, the wins and losses, the stats. It's about how are we going to get kids to want to stay with us, develop with us and not, you know, team jump the way it's kind of become a culture outside of here is a lot of people team jumping. So trying to really figure out what our mission statement is going to be, what we're going to stand for and how we're going to stay true to that as we grow and grow and grow. I think that's the biggest thing that like, I was like, wow, okay. Like that's almost more important than figuring out some of the logistics right away is what do we want to stand for? How are we going to be successful on that front? So take us through a little bit about how you got around when you were uh, going from place to place down there. <laughs> were you taking taxis, Ubers? What were, what were you taking? Just like anybody, I Ubered from the airport, but um, Duke and I went out to lunch that first day and I saw those bir bird scooters on the sidewalk and I had used them. Um, you know, I went to school in the Midwest, so they have them out there. I went to Nashville, I used them there. And I was like, we got to use them. I was like, there's no way we can't use them. Like, they're so much fun. You almost feel like you're a five-year-old kid again getting those Razor scooters that were electric and a big thing back when I was a kid. So I was like, let's do it. Like, well, let's go see the Louisville Slugger Museum. We'll take the birds because it's, it's far enough away where it would take a while to walk. And he was like, no, absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. And then, you know, he got on it and he was laughing like a little kid again. And I think it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a cool way to go through the city and... I think that's the beauty of being in a, I don't want to say a small city because Louisville's not small, but not as busy as New York that we're used to. So it was, it was fun to be on those things and hearing him laugh and make jokes and all that kind of stuff. It was, it was a good time on those. I love it. I think one thing I always take away after, you know, a convention, like for instance, the ABCA last year is there's so much information out there. There's so much technology, but it was almost a little bit of a, a relief coming home, knowing that the things that we're doing here were reinforced. By you know some of the best coaches in the country, the best baseball and softball minds, they're teaching the same things that we are. You know, did you did you feel the same way? Because I know there's a, there's so much information out there. There's so many people bashing one another all over social media and Twitter, especially. Did you feel like a sense of like, oh man, we we do know what we're doing over here, and we you know we got it under control? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I was listening to one seminar and the Georgia head coach was talking, and you know Georgia's obviously a powerhouse. And he was talking about just being quick with your top hand, really wanting to make contact during that snapping motion. And, you know, we use so many mechanical terms here where I feel like sometimes the kids almost just nod at us like, yeah, yeah, of course, like I know what you're talking about. So the way he described it about we always want to hit the ball when we're at our fastest. I was like, that's such a great way of saying it. It's everything we teach and everything I've been teaching with a lot of my kids, but in such a simpler way. And I've been using it this week, but yeah, I would – I would definitely say a lot of the things that people talked about were things we're doing here. And I think that's a huge testament to what you guys have built, what we're doing to continue our education throughout the year. I mean, we're always constantly trying to find new ways to do things, new ways to get our kids better. And I think we're right there with what a lot of college coaches are doing. And I think that's awesome because that means we're getting them ready to easily just fit right in when they get to their program. Um, so it was awesome. So, you know, watching your lessons over the over the years, actually, you've been here, you know, over a year now, um, watching them develop and watching you grow as an instructor and as a coach, what are some things that, that you feel goes into that? Because when I'm watching your lessons, it's not just 
about the physical skill or the drill. You talk a lot about the mental side of the game. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit about the importance of that and how do you implement the the mental side of the game into a lesson or into a team? I really try to just let my kids kind of be free those first two or three minutes hitting off the tee. That way we can continue building our relationship outside of the mechanics of what we're trying to accomplish. That way, one, they're a little bit more comfortable to show that emotion, talk with me about things. But I also remind them like, hey, if you have like, let's say two or three bad swings in a row, you gotta trust that you know how to make the adjustment. But also, how are you gonna adjust in a game if your first three swings are swings and misses and you strike out? We're not here to just, you know, throw the ball to their barrel, hit them a nice easy ground ball right to their glove. Like we're here to challenge them in that way because in game, you don't know where you're gonna get. You don't know the result of your swing, the play, the game. So I think the more that we can put them in those unpredictable, uncomfortable situations, it's like when that happens in a game, it's not a surprise anymore. It's not like, oh man, I'm back on my heels or, oh, I can't pull the trigger in the box. It's, oh, I'm prepared because, you know, my lessons with Coach JB or my classes at Zoned prepared me for this moment and how to adapt when something's not going my way. Also, I think a big thing that I realized just from playing is you're not used to not being the star, especially with some of the kids we have here. Like, they're studs coming out of high school, but it's you're working your way back up now because you're in a new environment, you're with a new team. So it's almost like, all right, how do you do that just from the start, even if you're sitting on the bench, right? How do you have that, that drive to continue to work hard and be a good teammate when you're not the one playing? And I think that's something that a lot of kids struggle with. So even my 11, 12-year-olds, like, if they're going to move up to 14U, I want them to be ready to fail that first couple weekends out because they're going to. It's inevitable that the second you move up a new age group or let's say you go play from travel to club, you're going to struggle. So it's about how do you still be a good teammate? How do you make your adjustment? How do you be the best kid more so mentally, emotionally, as opposed to physically? And I think that's, that's the biggest thing I want my kids to always take away is that preparation more so than their physical one. That's so good. One of my one of my favorite coaches, you know, he talks about how picking up the balls can be one of the most important parts of the lesson. Where I think it, it gets overlooked so often, you know, it's like, all right, let's get a pick and you know, the coach leaves sometimes or just hangs out and doesn't help. But you know, those are those like you said, the first couple minutes of your lesson where you get to create that relationship and build that trust so that, you know, it's not just like you're in there teaching just mechanics. You're teaching those little life lessons. So really, really good. And you almost you almost just touched on it there, but my next question was, what experiences do you have from your own playing career that you try to implement into your lessons, whether it was failure or your, or your success? I know you just talked on the mem- mental game, but anything specifically, you know, coming from a, a successful college softball player? Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously put the emphasis on on your work ethic and getting better physically and all that kind of stuff. But take the time to really build your friendships, build your relationship with your coach, because when you're outside of school, it's about, are you gonna invite those people to your wedding, right? Are you gonna be meeting up once a year with your old, let's say classmates to go on a trip? Like those are the things that I'm more proud of that I've developed over the years of playing is like, I still talk with kids that I played club ball with when I was in high school, right? I still talk with that that head coach for that team and I still talk with all my roommates, all my teammates. So like that kind of stuff is, in my opinion, more important. Plus, when you have those relationships to lean on, when you are struggle, struggling physically, it makes it that much easier to be mentally tough because, you know, they're in your corner. 
it's not like anybody's like, oh, you struck out, I can't talk to you in the dugout now kind of thing. So having those healthy relationships definitely was the biggest lesson I learned in college is how to do that. Because coming on campus, I was probably the quietest kid on the team. Like I didn't say two words the first week probably. Um, and people would make fun of me for it because by the time I was a senior, they were like, you won't shut up. Like, so I think that growth is probably what I'm most proud of and what I'm trying to also grow here. Uh, in my lessons and with my kids here. Looking at all the coaches that you've had since you first started out and um, young and were playing, what are some takeaways of some of the things that you wouldn't do as a coach? Some of the things that you loved that coaches did for you as a coach? Because I think that, you know, as we enter our coaching journey from our playing journey to our coaching journey, it's like you're taking away all the things that, you know, what kind of coach do you want to be? You know, and going from playing to coaching, it's it's different, right? And I think you've really experienced that a lot more since you've been coaching. So as you're starting a new program and, you know, getting ready to, to, to embark on a 10 and 12U team, what kind of coach do you want to be to those young ladies that are getting ready to, you know, to start playing ball? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've played for coaches that are very hard-headed. It's, it's all a business. You can't laugh when you're on the field. Like, it's drills, drills, drills. You're getting your reps, like no time for fun and then I played for the opposite where it was all about when you're shagging in the outfield and we're doing BP like you better be talking with your teammates and building those relationships and all that kind of stuff so I think you know there definitely has to be a middle ground of you know when I'm talking when we're going over drills when we're going over the plan for the day like eyes are on me but then when you're waiting in line or you're hitting off the tee like yes do your work but you got to build those relationships and I want it to be a good balance of the two where we can have fun, they can talk with each other, they can be best friends, but at the same time, like when it's their turn to like hit, when it's their turn to do their everydays, they're locked in on the those 10, 15 reps and then, you know, go back to the, the conversations and all that kind of stuff. Especially starting out so young, right? Like if you're a drill drill sergeant for a young kid, they're gonna be like, Mom, like I'm not having fun, like I don't wanna go back. And that's not the culture you wanna create, especially around sports, right? Sports shouldn't define you. It should be a place where when you're there for that specific amount of time, it's like the best part of your week. And I know that's a big thing we preach here is when we have a kid for 30 minutes to an hour, we want to make it the best 30 minutes to an hour they have for the week. And I think as we start teams, I want to keep that trend and keep that environment as healthy as possible where it's we can do two things at once. We can get better, we can grow, but we can also have fun and you know do competitions and laugh and build relationships. So I think Figuring out how to have a healthy balance, especially with the younger ones, is really what I'm, I'm trying to do. What would you say your biggest challenge has been? I think my biggest challenge is, it has been the young ones. You know, I mean, they already are defining themselves by a good swing and a bad swing. So I had a kid cry in the cage recently because I was like, hey, do you remember what we talked about on the tee about not being so low and like crouched? And so she stood up and then I can see her lip kind of quivering. And I'm like, are you about to cry? Like, what's wrong? And she's like, no. And then she got, had a bad swing and then she started crying and it just kind of steamrolled. And I was like, hey, this is like our fifth lesson together. Every lesson you've looked better and better and better. So I know it's hard when you don't do good now because you're used to doing good. But you also have to realize like you're still going to learn. You're still going to fail. Like you're still going to have to grow each step. So I think the hardest thing I'm realizing is when kids start to get better and now they're not expecting to do bad, they're expecting to do well they don't know how to deal with the reverse. So you'll get some kids in here that are like really struggling, really don't know the swing yet or the game yet. And then you know you have one or two or three lessons and you can see that growth and now they're feeling more confident. 
and then they roll over a ground ball in the cage and it's like the end of the world because now they're expecting to hit those line drives every single swing. So just being able to make sure that that shift isn't so dramatic, like praise the good, but try not to acknowledge the bad as much. I'm a big believer in the more you praise the good, the more they're going to happen. So a big rule in my cage is like, if you're going to pout after a bad swing, you better smile after a good one. And then like, like big teeth smile kind of thing. Um, so that's been the biggest lesson and the hardest thing to work on right now is making sure my kids don't go one way or the other with their emotions and just trying to stay very even keeled. So do you think that next year you'll, you want to head back to the NFC again or what? You think it was, you yeah. think it was definitely, uh... I think, it, I think it was awesome. I, I think it's a great experience and I think it would be a great experience to do every year. Kind of like how you guys go to ABCA. The game changes so much in a year with, you know, whether it's mechanics, whether it's technology, whatever the hot topic is for that year. Um, just being in the conversation with all the coaches that are influencing the game, I think is a huge thing. And you know what's so cool is they, it, it's so, they're, they're so welcoming, right? Like you walk in and it's, you know, they, they have a, a rookie, a rookie meeting and there's 600 people in there and they're all the rookies. So it's like, here's what you need to do. Here's how we're going to walk you through this. Here's how you figure out where you want to go. Here's, and it's just like, wow, you immediately don't feel like a rookie anymore. When you're with 600 people that are there for the first time ever and you're with a room of that, that's, that was half of the convention. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm not a rookie. The, like, I'm not that one person that's like looking at everybody like, oh, everybody knows what they're doing. No, nobody knew what they were doing. And it was just, I thought that was just an, an awesome thing that they did because everybody felt so much better after that. I know I did. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, this is, this is, this is great. Let, let's go. Let, let's yeah. start. I love that part too because they made you again interact with the people at your table. Like they gave you a couple questions just to like start off the conversation. That way you at least knew five people going into that first night of things. So I thought that was, that was awesome. And like Duke said, it was, it was great to realize how many people are first timers, but also have been in the game for a while, but haven't been to something like that. So it's like, I think that's always the next level of, of growth is being able to continue your education, build your connections and just really see where you can go from there. The, the welcoming piece is always is always big for me. Last year was my first ABCA, and while you guys were in Kentucky, I was at the the Garden State Baseball Coaches Convention here. You know, as a, as a sponsor, I got a chance to talk a little bit about zoned and dominate the diamond. You know, and the, the hitting coach from Auburn was there, and you know he came up to me and was so interested in what we do. Where you know on the flip side, like not that I was being shy, but I'm like, all right, this guy's a hitting coach at Auburn. Like he probably doesn't care about zoned or dominate the diamond, and he was so interested in it. You know, so. I think just getting out of your shell a little bit at, at these kinds of things and starting conversations and like, you know, it's a small world. Baseball and softball are small worlds. You're going to end up knowing somebody that coached with somebody or, you know, you play, you know, for instance, the guy, the guy at Auburn coached against me. So that was just like one common thing we talked about back in 2012. He remembered me and then was so interested in what we were doing here at the facility. So, yeah, I mean, the the welcoming piece, the, you know, the, the, the people there that are veterans making the the rookie coaches feel feel comfortable is just it's awesome. I have I have one more question for you, JB, and Duke and I talk about it a lot at the 13U age group in baseball and how that's our most fun age to coach because they're moving up to the big field for the first time. You know, it's real baseball. The dimensions are the same as a major league field. What would you say your favorite age to coach is and why? I think that's tough. Girls are a little bit different, obviously, and you know the game doesn't change much once you go to 12s. Um, but I would say probably between 14s and 16s would be my favorite age just because the game gets probably to one of its fastest points. They're starting to understand the rules. 
Um, a lot of a lot of things come together during those two age groups. Plus, like I remember, it's a, it's an exciting time. People kind of really decide, like, hey, do I want to do this at the next level? And if I do, like, what are the steps to get me there? So um, that's a big reason why I remember my coach at those two levels is because obviously had a big impact on my on my whole life, my whole career. Um, but I also just think at that age, getting through to kids is a little bit easier, right? I mean, they understand different kind of terms and things like that, which makes our jobs a little bit easier. But also, they're more mature. So they they know how to have fun, but know how to handle their business at the same time. And I think it makes that a little bit easier. Whereas the younger kids, like the second you kind of open up that floodgate for fun, it's almost hard to corral them back in. Um, but I think 14s and 16s is, is a fun age. It's the game's fast. The game's probably some of the most serious because of, you know, what's at stake going into that sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, and I think, you know, I think the game really takes off from that point. That's awesome. Well, JB, thanks so much for joining us on the Get Zoned In podcast. We hope you've all enjoyed this episode and found it helpful and informative. If you like what you heard and you want to learn more, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, and other channels. Also, follow us on social media at Zone Sports and at Dominate the Diamond. We'll be back with more tips, insights, and expert interviews to help you become a better coach. See you next time. Go out and dominate the day.